Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bury the Lead. I am one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press Multimedia producer Erin Labar. And my other co-host, Jen Zarati, is off gallivanting in Italy this week. So we have um, Luke Doucette and Melissa McClellan of Duo Whitehorse to fill in for her for the entire 30 minutes. Um, we're going to discuss with them their new album, Panther in the Dollhouse. We're also going to discuss the news of Harvey Weinstein's alleged sexual uh, assault and harassment that has kind of taken over entertainment news all week. And uh, White Horse is also going to perform a song for us. Thank you guys very much for joining me today. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you. So our normal first segment is, how was your week? So how was your week? Did you do anything for Thanksgiving? For Thanksgiving, we ate uh, crappy takeout from the Holiday Inn in Dubuque, Fish tacos? Dubuque Iowa. And <laughs> yeah. they were the worst fish tacos that I've ever had. Well, that's a that's an honor. <gasps> they weren't you know? that bad. I've had well, worse. Well, no. They, they Really? I would say they weren't that bad, but they were the worst. Because fish tacos mm. are hard to ruin because they're usually delicious. Yeah. But they true. were flavorless and overly battered. Anyway, we don't need to Oh, but they were Dubuque. so nice. They <laughs> were so oh, nice. The people who served us were so nice. <laughs> it's true that the people in the in the hotel bar at in, in Dubuque... Um, <clears throat> Because <clears throat> our bus was parked outside, we we didn't play in Dubuque. We just stopped. On oh, the way. okay. Yeah. No, we stopped on the way from. We had a day off in between Chicago and Minneapolis or whatever it was, <clears throat> and uh, so the staff were wondering, well, who's in the rock bus? And <laughs> and finally, we came in to order dinner, and they're like, oh, who are you? And we're like, sorry. Sorry, we're not like yeah. Aerosmith yeah. or yeah or Timberlake. <laughs> we're just a, a band you've never heard of. <laughs> but the, but the the bar back bartender whatever runs into the back room and comes out five minutes later goes oh my god i just you know youtubed your stuff you guys are so great and we're like oh, okay they were really got us to sweet. autograph the napkin it was it's, yeah yeah they were, sweet. they were sweet but yeah our our thanksgiving <clears throat> we usually spend canadian thanksgiving in the u.s playing shows right so we miss out on the big you know yeah. traditional turkey dinner and all yeah. that stuff yeah. but, but we did a bunch of um a bunch of u.s shows and the u.s shows are a little hard on the hard on the soul for us yeah. <clears throat> uh, because sometimes they're kind of hit and miss sometimes people come out and sometimes they don't um so we're always on sort of tinder hooks and and uh so the transition back into canada is always pretty nice yeah you know i think that's a common story for yeah yeah, yeah know, for low, sure low rent canadian rock bands <laughs> um so your uh luke is a winnipeg native yep so, um, what are your must-do, must-see stops when you come home? Hmm. Even though I know you're only here for a very short time. Yeah. Time. Uh, well, let's see. <clears throat> uh, I always go for, I run, so I always go for a run, and there, I have a couple of specific routes. My mom lives up behind the Health Sciences Center, so I either run south uh, along Sherbrooke or whatever into, into Wolseley, and then do the loop around Omens Creek and, and um, <clears throat> Wellington Crescent, or I go east on McDermott until I hit the Red River and then go south and by the Forks and then mm -hmm. along the Assiniboine until I get to the gates and then back up through the West End. So running, I love running in Winnipeg. I, I love the smell of the city and I love the feeling of the dry, cool air and I love the flatness and I love the rivers and I, and I love the neighborhoods. <clears throat> so I do that. Children's Museum. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Which insists. awesome. Our three-year-old loves it. <laughs> and as children's museums go, because we've been to quite a few Winnipeg's, is it's the best the best and and what is the the park um that kind of like gaudi inspired dr seuss 
part. Oh, and is that in a, a, at Assiniboine Park? Yeah. Yeah, the like playground. best playground yeah, that's so ever. Cool. So, yeah, on the three-year-old level of things to do in the city, <laughs> yeah. I highly recommend those things. And then the yellow dog. I have to have at least a single pint, if not five, at the yellow dog. Yeah. Because uh, they have times the Times change. The times change. For after hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if I want to see live music, it's usually usually the times. And if I want to just sit and have a pint and, and listen to, like, good replacements records, and then I go to um, the yellow dog. And my brother JD uh, at JD and the Sunshine Band fame is usually my um, chaperone for the time that I'm here, mm-hmm. which never ends well. And then my mom's <laughs> soup soup night at my mom's house. Yeah, yeah. and uh, drop in brunch at Sunshine House on Sundays. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit later in the yeah. pod. Um, maybe that would be a good time for a song if that's cool. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which one would you are you guys gonna <clears throat> play? Uh, we're gonna do one of the new ones. Uh, this is called Nighthawks. Come on down from the ledge with your pretty wings spread. Fly me through the steel tower night. When the cold air bites, when the alley cats fight, all the normals are shutting off their lights. I'll hold tight to your layer bonds, your pantyhose will start to run. Everybody's looking to the sky. Nighthawks coming alive. Let me in, let me in, let me Baby, 
mentioned that was a new track yeah. from your album Panther in the Dollhouse. Yes. And you guys have been touring that pretty solidly for the last little while. Yeah, it came out in, in July, and uh, so we played festivals all summer, and then um, just started the real touring a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, and then today is our, our first uh, Canadian date. And you have a full band. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. We talked a little bit about that on the phone last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming you did soundcheck and worked with them already today? We haven't yet. Not yet? Um, but they did play festivals with us all right, summer, right, so right. that was a good kind of warm-up to, to the touring. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all amazing guys, solid players, mm-hmm. good times. I would say solid guys, amazing players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's probably more accurate. Luke, I noticed that you have the classical guitarist oh. fingernails. Yeah. Um, do you play classical guitar? Or? That's for cocaine. Yeah, oh. I, do, I do a lot of, <laughs> a lot of cocaine. Uh, you know, that I, was my second game. I play, I play, I don't play classical, at least not very well. Um, but I play with my fingers, and um, I play a style where it just, I, you know, there's a guy called Stephen Fearing, maybe you know him, he's mm-hmm. a Black Human Rodeo Kings. Mm-hmm. He's a phenomenal finger style acoustic guitar player, and, and um, he actually was had these nails for years, and I was doing the thing where I hold the pick and my thumb and forefinger, and then use my fingers, what people call a hybrid style, and <clears throat> I was just trashing my fingers like halfway through a tour, yeah. blood everywhere, just like <laughs> destroyed because I'm pr- I land pretty hard with my right hand, <clears throat> and he's like, you know, you don't have to do that. You can get acrylic nails put on, and and I, you know, he was telling me that for years, and finally I went and did it about a decade ago, or maybe more. Have I always had these since you've known yeah. me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so maybe fifteen as years. As long as I've known you. And. Uh, <clears throat> And now I just go to the chop shop, like, and and you and a note to those who might decide to do this, um, you you need to go to the the cheapest looking Asian place you can find, because they do the best work, and the, I mean, I, they do the best work, I, you know, whatever people do good work, <clears throat> that's 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 pretty racist, but um, what I find is that if you go to the like the high end like white people in lab coats place, they don't do any better work and they charge you four times as much, so the the like. The nail places, and I, traveling all over the world, you just walk in mm-hmm. to a place that has a, like a flickering neon sign and a lots of cheap, gaudy looking plastic, and you know, in 20 you minutes, get the goods. you get the goods. <clears throat> and, and, and tip big. Yeah, and exactly, tip <laughs> big, because they always undercharge you. That's a pro tip right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that we didn't actually get to chat about uh, on the phone last week was one of the themes running through this record of sort of conventions and assumptions about normal domestic life. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about why that was something that you wanted to address on this record. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think we ever consciously pick out these themes, Mm -hmm. um, but they definitely kind of trickle into what we're writing. And, you know, even the the title, Panther in the Dollhouse, um, was a dream that I had. And... I was having a series of dreams of, you know, wild animals in, in odd places. And um, to me, the, pan- the panther in the dollhouse, to me, that's that, that uncomfortable place where um, social conditioning and animal instincts meet. And I think that's, that's a big part of the human condition. Mm-hmm. You know, we are bred to be a certain way in this world, to exist and survive and... Um, be happy and get along with each other, um, but we still have these like raging animal instincts beneath the surface, and mm-hmm. that causes a whole lot of trouble um, or pleasure, depending on how you look at <laughs> look at yeah. it. Um, and I think you know, um, I think those kinds of ideas and themes and um, 
challenges or desires kind of pop up in, in, in the songs and the characters and the stories mm-hmm. that we're telling. I feel like like we can't really ha- have this conversation without acknowledging that it's mostly sexual. A lot of a lot of it in this in the case of this record tends to be sexual, right? Mm-hmm. And I was trying to like at least unpack uh, just what it what it's like to observe the world around us in in a state of transition, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's been in a state of transition. The things we're talking about probably since the sexual revolution, and maybe long before, just not not in my consciousness, right? But. Um, Dan Savage has been a really big, uh, I don't know, mentor of sorts from a distance, and just in ter- like philosophically hero. hero. He's just a, mm-hmm. somebody we think is cool. Yeah. And his podcasts actually are <clears throat> are um, are worth the price of admission because he does his r- a rant off the top, and it's always really amazing. Usually some some kind of political thing, not necessarily about sex, but often oftentimes. Um, but I think that some of the songs and some of the conversations that we've been having in, in sometimes in public, in fact, with Dan himself when he came to Toronto and helped us launch the record. Yeah. Just kind of uh, acknowledging that there are a lot of taboos and stigmas that exist around <clears throat> sexual behavior that shouldn't be there and that we have to acknowledge that things are changing and um, people people's people's instincts and proclivities and the things they're going to do with their lives, uh, you know, as long as they're consenting adults, are really nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... And I you know, I, we um, we still wrestle with those things in an ethical sense or morally, at least in the media. And I think that most of that energy is um, is sort of puritanical or sanctimonious, and then it doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, again, with the big caveat being as long as we're talking about consenting adults. Exactly. There, you know, I think that we got, we still have a lot of shit to get over, <clears throat> and I think the sooner the better. Yeah. You know. Um, to me, it seems like why are we wasting our energy on this? When yeah. it's really none, nobody's business in the first place. Again, yeah. as long as it's consensual. Yeah. 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 You know, the video we just did for Pink Kimono, <clears throat> which is, was has it been released yet? Uh, no. Okay, it's soon. coming out soon. But one of the things that, that one of the things that happens in that video is, is uh, I mean, it's mostly a performance video and, and it's a bit campy and it's kind of, we're sending ourselves up pretty, pretty, in a pretty big way, I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but interspersed with this <clears throat> situation of us looking ridiculous and just playing this <laughs> rock and roll song that's mostly about sex too, there are all these, it, it, and there are these images of these these sort of atypical, untra- a, a, a untraditional sexual couplings, like a really old woman and a young guy, or three people, or you know, same sex, or whatever, whatever kind of, and then some some traditional so-called couplings. And I think that we're not trying to say anything political about that, except that this shit happens, and it's completely normal. Uh, and I think that we're. Um, we put a lot of energy into some of these themes at the, when we put the record out, and there are two songs. One is actually from the called Evangelina from the previous record, um, where Melissa wrote. <clears throat> well, we wrote the song together, but but the, the basic narrative, Melissa sort of cast this this as a sex worker as a as a like an urban superhero, superhero mm-hmm. heroine, and it's you know it, it's just such an unusual story because it it, it makes us uncomfortable because of course. You know, people. The, the first question people have is, "Well, would you want your daughter to be a sex worker?" And there's there are problems with that question, <clears throat> and there are problems with almost all of the answers. But because when I think about some of the things that women, people that some women do with their lives because they're trying to make ends meet, would I mm-hmm. want my daughter to be a chambermaid in a in a shitty hotel for twenty years? No, there's mm-hmm. lots of things I wouldn't want her to do. Um, and <clears throat> uh, but then there's also a song on. <clears throat> The new record, um, Nighthawks, which we just played, which is sort of a continuation of that theme. Nighthawks being the people that, that you know, and Melissa mentions the normals in the lyric on that one, and, and, and 
define who the Nighthawks are, but the song mm-hmm. sort of explains it. Just people people who live off the grid on a, on a different clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it starts off, the song starts off with Evangelina, who's the superhero, and she's on the ledge and fly into the night. Um, but then from there, it explores kind of the underbelly of that that world. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the, the seediness, the, the victim-perpetrator mentality, um, and that, that all comes to, to be from, you know, pushing this work underground. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Evangelina was really trying to like destigmatize it and celebrate that as legitimate work, um, which I, I believe, I personally believe is how it should be viewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we, we talked a little bit about Bill C-36 and how um, <coughs> Terry Jean Bedford and two other women whose names escape me, um, challenged the Supreme Court, challenged the existing laws at the Supreme Court, and they won, struck down the, the sex worker laws, which were draconian and, and punitive, and then Bill C-36 was Stephen Harper's response, which was equally draconian and punitive, and so now we're waiting for Justin Trudeau and his clan to mm-hmm. make good on their election promises and actually address it, which it doesn't look like they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They haven't made it any, anywhere near part of the legislative agenda, um, so... I don't, I'm not overly optimistic, although we were talking to uh, Nikki Tom, Thomas Thompson? Yeah, Thomas. Thomas, who is an advocate for um, sex work organizations in Toronto. And she was part of the case as well. Right. Yeah. And she's brilliant. She's ama- I can't believe she hasn't done much advocacy work in the last couple of years. She's sort of stepped back from that, but man, she's, she's incredible. stepping back into it. Yeah. 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 She's amazing. And she, she gave us, re- she suggested reason to be optimistic that these things take time. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she says, you know you know, two steps forward, one step back, Always, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's, it might take, you know, generations before, um, we actually get to where we want to be, but it's happening mm-hmm. and that's, yeah. that's promising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sort of, sort of tangentially related, the uh, biggest story in the entertainment world this week is Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. um, right. and his alleged, uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment of, well, the original New York Times story had, had eight women coming forward and now, huge celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie have come come out and said this has happened wow. to me as well um, again sort of like a thing that women have to deal with in the entertainment industry unfortunately yeah. mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. do you guys have any thoughts on that I, I would love to say they don't sort of be the first one to speak when you're addressing you know, women's <laughs> issue primarily. I wish I could say this was there wasn't an issue but you know and, yeah. or it's not an issue in Canada and then we went, went through Jean gate and clearly right, it's clear right. That, yeah yeah, I mean, I think it's the basic reality of most women in most industries, yeah. um, unfortunately. Um, and it's good that these things are being talked about and exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great that that woman recorded what she recorded, and maybe more women should start doing that. I know, um, it just boggles my mind that that's necessary, right? Oh. To have to go into a situation and be like, wait, maybe I should turn on my recorder in case something ridiculous yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people in, like, I mean, Trump, I don't even, I don't need to say more than just the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, the whole, yeah. like, grab him by the pussy mentality. And, and you know, a, a man in power um, feels like they have ownership over these women. And, mm-hmm. um, and in his case, it was, like, almost an actual ownership because he was threatening to, you know, ruin their career or... Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, he was really the the person between making money and not making money. Yeah. So that's a really scary thing. Well, yeah. and, and Trump in the same position and and, and Gian in the same position exactly. to, to varying degrees, yeah. right? I mean, when yeah. you think about the influence and power that these people have, you think about the influence and power that, that, that Gian would have, potentially have, in terms of influencing people's careers. You know, I mean, I wrote the theme song to the first cue. And he came up to me at a party at the at, at the Juno, at Juno Awards party. And I was I was playing, I think, uh, Cortez the Killer by Neil Young with, I don't remember who, maybe I think Ron Sucksmith might have been involved. And we were just jamming. It was late. We were drinking and just <clears throat> playing some rock and roll music. And he walked up afterwards and he's like, that was really cool. I'm starting a radio show. Do you want to write the theme song to it? And so, of course, I'm, in, I'm like, yeah, uh, this sounds cool. Now, QE didn't exist at that point. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was going to go on to be as successful as it was. Yeah. And, but, you know, people dangle carrots. And, you know, Jian was a master dangler. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> a master dangler. <laughs> and, you know, and I know, I know people close to me, it, friends, you know, who have had, who had horrible experiences with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, at one point when the discussion was going on around whether or not he was guilty and or, or, or ostensibly or allegedly and was there any were people was it a witch hunt or was it legitimate somebody posted on a on a, on a social media discussion somewhere and she said <clears throat> go to any entertainment industry party specifically music industry party in toronto um, where there are women between the ages of 25 and 40 and mention his name just mention his name and then watch what happens mm-hmm. yeah and i and, and i had personally experienced that mm-hmm. i had been at 10 parties up to that point very same situation where, where his name would come up and inevitably a woman would storm out in tears in within five minutes. Yeah. What does that tell you? Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's that's one of the most heartbreaking parts is that everybody knew. Like, oh, yeah. Everybody knew. Yeah. Everybody heard the rumors. Everybody had that happen where they mentioned someone's name and the ladies run out of the room. Yeah. And no one said anything. It yeah. took a collection of 8, 10, 12, 15 people yeah. Yeah. for anything to happen. Yeah. There was an interesting meme that went by on on social media again today and it was a, a picture of some a-list hollywood men and it says now that harvey weinstein can't ruin my career i'm going to be very brave and come out in defense of the women he's victimized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Like it's well we normalize these things you it's know? true yeah and maybe maybe that is is slowly changing you know maybe that mentality of you know normalizing this kind of behavior or, or what we come to expect as women in, in these industries or uh, how men feel like they can behave or what they can ex- excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe that's shifting, maybe that's changing. I, I'd, like to think, I'd like to think it is because yeah. of things, because of cases like uh, Gian Gomeshi and those things coming to light. Yeah. Um, it's actually shifting things. It, it says something about power too, and I feel like that's an mm-hmm. indispensable part of this equation. It, mm-hmm. it, it has a lot to because, because you know, I also know a lot of a lot of men who are sort of incredulous when they hear these things because they don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have friends who take every opportunity they can to take a situation as far into an inappropriate direction as they can. Right. I mean, maybe I do and I don't realize it, but I like to think I don't, mm-hmm. and and I don't know what the what the determining factor is but I feel like power plays a role and I think there's there's a I think there's a certain kind of outsized power mm-hmm. that we're just not fit as 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 creatures to harness mm-hmm. I don't know well and the playing field is not level you know uh, men have more power yeah. in most industries mm-hmm. if yeah. not all <laughs> yeah. you know so until that playing field is level 
then, you know, I, I don't know, you know, right, right now it's hard to, um, it's not surprising that these things happen right. all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess to move on to something a little bit more sunshiny. Mm. <laughs> ah. ah, good segue. Um, the show at the uh, the Burt tonight um, proceeds are going towards or t-shirt sales are going towards Sunshine House. A portion of the proceeds of t-shirt sales are going towards the Sunshine House. Yes. Yes, of one one t- got it. one t-shirt <laughs> in particular, the uh, custom-made uh, patron saint of the Lonely Hearts, which is a lyric pulled from the song mm-hmm. Evangelina. Um, a portion of those sales will go to um, the Sunshine House, and the Sunshine House will also have a booth set yeah. up in the lobby, okay, so great. specifically fundraising for that yeah. charity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Luke, your mom is very involved in Sunshine House. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, well, she, uh, um, not single-handedly, but but in large part, sort of uh, conceived, built, and continues to blood, sweat, and tear her way through keeping that place going. Um, my mom has been working uh, outreach, doing outreach work as a nurse for 35 years mm-hmm. in Winnipeg, mostly downtown, mostly North Main, mostly um, <clears throat> with Indigenous people, though not exclusively. Uh, and in the last 20 years or so, she's she's done a lot of work um, doing data collection for various investigators with the University of Manitoba, trying to map transmissions of infectious diseases and map out lifestyle choices and the behaviors of people of inmates and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. with rela- in relation to sexuality and consumption of various substances and so on but anyway the point is is that this all kind of culminates with the sunshine house which is an outreach center and a, a safe space i suppose for people who are the most marginalized um the thing i find the most interesting about the sunshine house is uh their harm reduction strategy which uh, enables them to dictate that the people that people are welcome to show up as they are. A lot of um, organizations that are aiming to help the disenfranchised have stipulations like you can't be intoxicated. And I think when you're dealing with the most marginalized elements of the population, um, the degree of poverty and the degree of some in some cases mental illness, disenfranchisement. I think that may be a, an unrealistically high bar to expect people to clear as a condition upon them receiving some essential services. So I, I applaud the Sunshine House for the harm reduction approach they take. Uh, people can't come in there and do drugs or drink on the premises, but if they show right. up and they're clearly intoxicated, they don't, they're not asked to leave. Right. If they're still hungry, they get food. If they need to wash their socks, they can do that. If they need to see a nurse, they can do that. Um, and I think that means that the Sunshine House provides services to people in a way that nobody else does. Um, it's not sexy. It's not a sexy way to provide services to people because uh, there's very little chance of... of you know, it's hard to show statistics of, of how many lives you've saved. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you're not, you know. It's not necessarily about rehabilitation. It's about yeah, um, just offering you know basic human rights and yeah. services. And also, and, and this is where something like JD and the Sunshine Band, as one of as one of their um, their programs, I think is so interesting, <clears throat> um, offering people an opportunity to see the world um, in a different light, like to coordinate with other people and do things that are stimulating um, on an artistic level or on a community level. Uh, and I think, uh, I just think that's that's really great. I, I, it makes me happy to think of some of the experiences that I've, I've witnessed, you know, watching that particular project, again, JD and the Sunshine Band come together, which is mm-hmm. my brother, JD Ormond, 
and a little crew of musicians that he works with regularly in Winnipeg. But also, uh, it, it includes um, some of the clients of the Sunshine House in the, in the group, and that sometimes that number ranges from 3 to 10 or 15, depending on the show. Mm-hmm. So it integrates people together in a, in, a, in a way that I also think is really great mm-hmm. for everybody, actually, not just for the clients of Sunshine House, but also for the, 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 the non-client community in Winnipeg. Because mm-hmm. we, it's so easy to parcel people uh, away. Like you guys are those people, and you guys are those people. Mm-hmm. And I might give you the scraps of my lunch, but I don't want to hang out with you, and I certainly don't want to touch you. There's a lot of that, mm-hmm. and I feel feel like I, I don't see very many um, opportunities or occasions when some of those class barriers come down. And I think that we're breaking down those kinds of class barriers. Not only is it the I think an unspoken mandate of the Sunshine House, but it's always been a, an obvious, if unspoken, mandate of my mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if people want to donate time or donate money, uh, mm-hmm. where's the best place for them to go to find information about that? Well, the best thing I think to do is to go down to Logan and Sherbrooke and actually knock on the door of mm-hmm. the Sunshine House and go in and say hi. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then beyond that, you know, I think if you if you Google Sunshine House. Uh, you'll you'll come up with a website and, and places ways to, to give money. I don't I don't have that information in the tip of my tongue, but honestly, go knock on the door. Um, mm-hmm. At least if you're in Winnipeg, it's a it's a cool place. And you know, on, on a Sunday morning, you can get brunch for a toonie. And <laughs> yeah. that usually and that highly that, recommend it. That means that my mom and my brother and my niece, at least those three, and probably my other brother, are on the premises making br- making brunch for people. And mm-hmm. there's always a bunch of kids running around having breakfast and and a, a good sort of motley collection of neighborhood people from from that part of the city. As always, the final segment of the pod is what we're reading, watching, and we're listening to. Um, I'm going to go first because I am currently obsessed with the new season of The Great British Bake Off. Have you guys seen this show? No. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> so it's, I think, currently the, the most popular television show in the UK. They oh. get literally millions of viewers every week. Um, they're all home bakers. I believe they start with 10 or 12. And they go to this tent in the middle of the English countryside. Mm-hmm. And every week they have a theme. So this past week was pastry week. Mm-hmm. And they have a signature challenge, which they can practice ahead of time. Then they mm-hmm. have a technical challenge where they get just a very few instructions for a very complicated dessert and no picture. So if you don't know what it looks like, you kind of have to just figure it out. And then the last one is called a showstopper. So they have to make a huge thing that is very impressive. Oh. And um, everyone is so genuinely lovely because it's so British and they like if they make a mistake they go help each other and like one time someone's like uh, baked Alaska melted and he threw it in the garbage and it was this big like kerfuffle and it's just the most wholesome TV you could possibly imagine and I'm well into I can handle reality shows that are actually friendly oh my gosh where people are nice to each other when people get kicked off every week everyone is just crying their eyes out it is the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen but it's great so I can highly recommend uh, if you need some family TV time oh my god That's brilliant. um, Melissa, what are you... uh... Um, Okay, well, what I'm listening to currently, um, there's a girl, uh, Jenny O, who is a fairly unknown um, artist from California. And I don't know how I stumbled on her record, but I kind of became obsessed with it for the last month. And then I saw that she was playing at Shuba's in Chicago Mm. the other night. And so I went down to see her, and she was opening for a girl named Tristan. Um, who plays in Jenny Lewis's band, but okay. she's an incredible singer-songwriter in her own right, um, lives in Nashville. But she totally blew my mind. And then uh, I listened to her new record just right after, and 
was totally impressed. So I'm loving those two records right now. Um, and I'm currently reading the second book in the Neapolitan series um, by Elena Ferrante. I think I'm saying her name correctly. Um, but yeah, brilliant series of books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I am... I've gone on a bender of things that I am ashamed to admit. I've just, like, I'm such a creature of habit with music. Uh, I've probably listened to more Tom Petty in the last 10 <laughs> years than any other artist. Of course, in the last week, um, he, that his passing landed pretty hard in yeah. my life. Um, yeah. And there, and then also sort of getting into that, like, sort of American, like, Americana rock and roll, simple rock and roll mindset, which is sort of a weakness of mine. But again, I'm always embarrassed to admit because I know there's so much more interesting music out there. I mean, Melissa just gave you two examples of new, fresh young artists. And I think that new, fresh young artists are the people we should be seeking out. And yet I'm stuck on Tom Petty. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, that, so, I'm, so I'm digging into some Ryan Adams and, you know, stuff like that. I'm a big fan of, of Ryan Adams as, mm-hmm. much, as much of a dick as I think he probably is. Um, and uh, as, far as, as far as things that I'm reading, uh, I'm reading Stephen Pinker's Better Angels of Our Nature right now, which is a book that I've had on a list for years, I've been wanting to read this book, uh, and, and it's an interesting thing. The, the basic premise is that, um, contrary to popular wisdom, violence has declined dramatically, and whether you look at it on a time scale of thousands of years or, or thousands of days, um, the same <coughs> remains true, that as, as we have developed into states versus clans or, or uh, tribes, Violence has declined dramatically. Violence, uh, human to human violence, hmm. um, and uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it, really interesting. It is, and, and and it's he opens with he opens with saying, "I realize a lot of people aren't going to want to hear this," and I think that's an interesting caveat that he felt the need to yeah. throw down. Yeah, because you'd think who wouldn't want to hear that, but I think um, we are determined some of us and I include myself when I say us I also include myself in that which is why I think this book is so attractive to me we are at times determined to see ourselves in a worst possible light that we're really just dragging ourselves into the worst possible scenario constantly inexorably and and he's saying no well if you look at it from this perspective we're actually less violent even if you factor in the great wars of, really? the, of, the, of the last century um, that as, as a percentage of the population who die <clears throat> from violence that even with the first and second world wars. Um, the twentieth century was the most peaceful we had seen. So we're evolving. Well, it it, it implies. I mean, I'm early, it's early. I haven't. I'm not deep enough yet. I mean, he's not naive. He's going <laughs> yeah. to he's he's illustrate. Yeah, Throwing yeah. global warming at us. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> we're done anyways. I know that's the most disappointing part of it. Yeah. Like, just when it looks like, oh my god, maybe we're not completely screwed. It's like, oh no, wait a minute, we are. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, we're not killing each other with you oh. know with with guns or bombs or or weapons as much as we think we are in, yeah. in the world. We're just doing it with cars and factories and coal. Yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah. But I, I find it uh, really interesting. He's an interesting guy. He's from Montreal originally, but he's a McGill prof. And um, he also, yeah, it's pretty cool. He, he said something. I, I spend more time than I should sort of trying to check my side of the political ledger, which is generally the left side. Um, and, and he said something interesting one time, which really st- struck a chord with me. He said, there's this mythical place in the minds of leftists, and it's much like the North Pole. That when you get to it, no matter where you go, in any direction, you're getting you're go, it's it's you're going away from the left. 
and that it's leftist, the sort of mythical leftier than thou place that, mm-hmm. you, that you could, that, that it's, that mm-hmm. we leftists think we're going to find. Mm-hmm. And that's why we devour ourselves. And that's why we, that's why we, we have a hard time holding on to power and, and being politically effective because we're constantly beating each other up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, I find that appealing too. But there you go, Stephen Pinker. Hmm. Cool. Well, thanks so much to Melissa and Luke for joining me today. And Jen will be back next week. So uh, we will see you then. Bye.